This is a report on the effort to unionize an Amazon facility in Bessemer, Alabama, recorded by Speak Out Socialists on April 24th, 2021. Uh, today, I'm mainly going to talk about Amazon, uh, but also there's some developments with the UMW, the Mine Workers Union, uh, that are worth noting. It has been three weeks since Amazon defeated the union drive at its Bessemer, Alabama facility by a margin of 60 to 40. Lots of commentators with experience in the union movement have laid out their explanations for the size of this defeat and what might uh, be in the cards for work at Amazon. All of the commentators emphasize that unions trying to win recognition through an NLRB election are operating under rules and restrictions which give the employer a great number of legal advantages. Amazon used these legal advantages in combination with probably illegal forms of harassment and intimidation, as well as surveillance. Amazon texted an endless stream of anti-union blurbs to the workers, and it required uh, them to attend weekly uh, anti-union meetings led by company consultants. Under the barrage of company propaganda and pressure, we have to give a lot of credit to the courage of the approximately 40% of the workers who voted for the union. Most of the pro-union commentators also agreed that the situation in Bessemer is what, was what could be called a hot shop in union parlance. A hot shop is a workplace where there's a group of pro-union workers already in existence who have contacted the union for assistance and who believe there's broad support for winning a union election. The workers in hot shops are eager to begin circulating union authorization cards, but gaining a minimum of 30% of the workforce signatures, which is what the NLRB requires to schedule an election, is only a shallow measure of support. To be successful in a hot shop situation, the union advocates have to maintain momentum going through into what they hope will be a short period uh, during which the election is conducted. When the RWDSU, that's the Retail uh, Warehouse Department Store Union, which was attempting to organize at Amazon in Bessemer, asked the NLRB, that's the National Labor Relations Board, to schedule an election, the union expected that only the 1,500 permanent employees at the Bessemer facility would be eligible to vote. Management countered by demanding that 4,000 seasonal workers and new hires be included. These workers had not been involved in the effort to previously circulate union authorization cards. The RWDSU decided to accept the company's definition of who could vote in order to avoid delays in holding the election. Some commentators argue that this was the key tactical mistake. Perhaps this is true, but it misses something much more important. The RWDSU apparently did not make a patient effort to build a strong in-plant committee, beginning with the workers who had first raised the idea of a union and growing it bigger. This was the key weakness at Bessemer. Numerous studies of successful union organizing drives show that long before a union proposes an NLRB election, it's essential to build a strong worker-led implant committee. 
The committee builds its influence by engaging a growing number of workers in the kinds of shop floor activities that show that when workers unite, they have power. An implant committee built this way has the credibility to effectively answer the propaganda tricks of the anti-union managers during an election because it has already a record, built a record of encouraging workers to help each other stand up to management harassment and intimidation. It appears that the RWDSU didn't make this kind of organizing a priority. Instead, it seems to have relied on publicizing statements of support by high profile politicians and celebrities to carry the workers through the unceasing barrage of anti-union management activity on the shop floor. Why don't unions engaged in organizing drives give a priority to building implant committees strong enough to stand up to all the intense stressful management tactics during an organizing drive and election campaign? It's not that they don't know what to expect from an anti-union management. The answer seems to be that the established union officials fear that an implant committee strong enough to stand up to management and win an election could be a problem for the union leaders as well. Workers who collectively have stood up to management may rebel if they find the top union leaders of the union they've just established try to water down their demands and obstruct actions to win them. We have to remember that top union officials who control union structures are generally somewhat company-minded, seeing themselves as mediators between workers and management. A good example of this way of thinking is the statement by Bren Riley, the head of the Alabama AFL-CIO. He told a newspaper reporter, quote, we want to partner with Amazon once we get a first contract. We want Amazon to succeed. We want Jeff Bezos to make another $10 billion. Bren Riley continued, we want workers to be productive. It doesn't matter if it's Jeff Bezos or some other employer, we want them to make a bunch of money so that when our three-year agreement is up, we can get a piece of it. We should not get bogged down in the debate over the tactical choices that RWDSU made in Bessemer. The publicity of Bessemer generated more than a thousand calls to RWDSU from angry, dissatisfied Amazon workers scattered at work sites all over the country. They were seeking information about how they could defend themselves against the notorious company pressure. But nobody believes that Amazon workers can successfully win gains from a company as massive as Amazon, one warehouse at a time. Amazon has a lot of ability to shift package delivery assignments between multiple warehouses located in a given metropolitan area. Amazon does this regularly just to manage the ordinary fluctuations in their business. But the redundancy Amazon builds into their delivery operations has plenty of vulnerabilities at the level of a whole metropolitan area. Choke points at the regional level and above are even more significant. But to exploit these vulnerabilities, workers would have to have networks that encompass multiple Amazon facilities. Can we expect the unions today to rise to the challenge of organizing at this sort of way at Amazon? It's not likely. The main response of uh, all the union leaderships to the defeat at Bessemer has been to publicize the despicable ways Amazon employed to defeat the union. 
They tout this as a reason for the Democratic Party to make a big effort to pass the PRO Act. If the PRO Act passed in its current form, there's no doubt it would make traditional top-down union organizing much easier. However, the chances of the PRO Act getting passed are slim to none in the current political context. As a backup, union officials expect that some parts of the PRO Act's pro-union and pro-worker provisions will be implemented through rulings from the National Labor Relations Board, which is about to get a pro-union majority thanks to Biden. The most important change they want is in the area of subcontracting and franchising, both of which under current law make it easy for companies to impede unionization. Amazon subcontracts much delivery work to what are essentially Amazon created and dependent delivery companies. It also directly hires drivers as independent contractors. Overcoming the legal fiction that Amazon's delivery drivers are not its, its own employees would be a big change in the law, very encouraging to unions considering organizing at Amazon, especially for the Teamsters. Toward the end of the Obama era, I'm sorry, toward the end of the Obama era, the NLRB began to move in this direction only to have its decisions reversed by Trump appointees. Any new pro-union NLRB rulings against the use of subcontractors to prevent union organizing can't take effect until approved by the federal courts, a process which will take a long time if it ever is successful. In spite of all the legal obstacles to organizing at Amazon, some unions have for a number of years probed for ways to slow Amazon's growth, usually with the help of worker centers they fund. The so far su successful efforts of Amazon to defeat union organizing is an existential threat to unions like the Teamsters and the United Food and Commercial Workers who long ago organized companies that find themselves in fierce competition with Amazon. A good example is UPS, which is Teamster organized and faces tremendous pressure from Amazon's uh, efforts to develop its own delivery system. Amazon's non-union operations demonstrably tend to bring down wages in warehouses and encourage the spread of low-wage trucking and, uh, gen and logistics generally. Amazon has also entered into the grocery business, and that is a threat to United Food and Commercial Workers, which is incidentally the parent of the RWDSU. The strategies these unions seem to have in mind is a pressure campaign to get politicians to regulate uh, these companies so that they have to change their business models or face public condemnation for the abuses built into those business models. For example, the Iowa Teamster effort to solicit complaints about atrocious working conditions from Amazon drivers is designed to generate media coverage by highlighting the way the company treats its workers. One way to get publicity is to organize token worker protests, but this is far, a far cry from building serious workplace organization. The model this model incorporates tactics developed by in the unsuccessful Our Walmart campaign by the UFCW and the, as well uh, somewhat more successful fight for, 15, uh, fight for 15 supported by the SEIU. Up to this point, I've been reporting on what union uh, 
uh, union-affiliated commentators have said about the Bessemer results and its possible follow-up developments. Many socialist organizations have presented their ideas as well. These accounts generally echo the idea that passing the PRO Act is an essential element of success at Amazon. Some of the others who sent reporters to Bessemer wrote articles with interesting observations about the weaknesses of the organizing drive. Most of these accounts were focused on critiquing the tactics of the RWDSU within the choices available under contemporary labor law. Some suggested how to pressure the union bureaucracy to do a better job at Amazon next time. One exception to this was the editorial in The Spark. Its main point was that it should be sufficient to start a union if a majority of the workers want that, and that the boss should have no say in the matter. This is a principle which contradicts the entire basis of US labor law, including the provisions of the PRO Act. Hopefully we can discuss the way other socialist groups analyze the situation at Amazon. Another development in the unions uh, worth noting is that Cecil Roberts, the president of the Mine Workers Union, the UMWA, has come out in favor of Biden's infrastructure plan on the premise that it will be amended to provide, quote, a just transition guaranteeing future employment and good green jobs for his members. It was only a year ago that Roberts mocked proposals for a just transition, saying, quote, I question the notion of a just transition for workers and communities that will be affected in a move away from fossil fuels. We are talking about a cost of one trillion to three trillion to keep Appalachia and other parts of the country from spiraling into further economic despair. Do not talk to me about a just transition until you can prove that there actually will be one and that the government will actually pay the cost of it. I ask anyone who's been uttering these two words over the last 30 years, point to one, just one just transition in this country, Roberts challenged, and you can't. I guess it makes all the difference having a Democrat in the White House. Meanwhile, 1,400 Alabama UMW members at Warrior Met Coal Company are on strike after rejecting a tentative agreement negotiated by Cecil Roberts staff. Striking miners are not getting much support from the UMWA. After three weeks on strike, they've received an average of $55 per striker from the National Union. Thank you for listening. For more information on content and upcoming events, visit speakoutsocialists.org.